Well, yeah, Terry is in Portland, and if you've followed the news at all, Portland got a foot of snow this week, and uh, they don't, they're not accustomed. Am I on? Am I on? Yeah. Okay. Uh, they're not accustomed to snow. They don't even, I think Wyatt said they have one snowplow in Portland, Oregon, because they don't get snow like that, so it closes the city down. They've only had church one time in the past month uh, since, since mid-December, and so uh, I just pray for her that uh, she gets home, because, you know, I need her at home to do the laundry and the cooking. Uh, no. Uh, and uh, it just reminded me, uh, Josh, go call my 14-year-old who's home asleep that I was supposed to call at 8.30. Seriously, can you go call him and see if you can rouse him uh, so that he can be ready when I come get him for Sunday school? Uh, <laughs> nobody's ever dealt with that. I tell you what, if I didn't, if I didn't wake him, he'd sleep till four o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, that's kind of how fourteen-year-olds are. It is Sanctity of Life Sunday, and in your bulletin, there's a, an insert on Sanctity of Life, and and I hope that you're prayerful about this great national tragedy. You know, we 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 affirm the value of human life, uh, even in the womb. We affirm the value of human life, and so I hope we're praying for this great national tragedy, the the, the millions of babies that have been aborted over the years. We're praying not only for the the babies, but we're praying for the moms, and we're praying. For all in this in this uh, desperate situation, we, we pray that God's will be done. We support organizations that that work to to help uh, mothers with these kind of choices, and we we support the Community Pregnancy Center. And uh, from Mother's Day to Father's Day, we'll be doing the baby bottles again and, and allowing you to support financially. But I'd encourage you if you you want to support throughout the year, uh, we do have resources even in this county that you can um, that you can plug in and support. We affirm. Uh, the sanctity, the value of all human life. And, and when we say that, we, we mean all human life. We mean not, not only fetuses and, and babies in the womb, but we also uh, support the sanctity of life in our community. And, and that's why we, we participate in an upward program. I had him leave our upward sign there. I thought about coming through that before I preached. I thought that'd be kind of cool because uh, I never get to do that. Everybody give me fives like they do the kids. Uh, but, but we're right in the midst of Upward. And uh, if you've not had an opportunity to come out and serve, I, I hope that you do uh, take the time, uh, take, take some time just to, to be here. I'm always amazed as, as I watch our people at the door. I, I was at the door with uh, Frank and Gene yesterday. And as, as Frank was standing in the door, here comes somebody that had worked with him. And, and how often do we get a chance to interact with neighbors and friends and sometimes people we haven't seen for years and, and just put a face on this church, someone that they know. And so if it, you know, a lot of these folks, they have a, hope, a home church and, and we support that and we're glad for that. But sometimes people are coming through their stores that don't have a home church. And I think it's always good that they can see that there is a face associated with this church. And oftentimes it's a face that's worked with them or it's a face uh, that, that they know in the community. So if you've not signed up, uh, we have, I believe, six more weeks. Eric, how many? Six, six more weeks. And so it's just, it's a short time. I know that it's a lot of work, a lot of hours, but it's only eight short weeks. And then it's, it's passed. And it's a significant part of what we do as a church, our ministry to the community. And I encourage you to sign up. Not real heavy lifting work. You can just shake a few hands, open a few doors. Um, we, we have um, some, some shotguns that people don't obey you. And, and that's kind of fun. No, we don't. So, Who collected baseball cards growing up? I'm curious. Who, who is baseball card collectors? Who wishes? Alicia, you collected baseball cards? That's awesome. 
Who wishes that their mother had not thrown out their baseball card collection so that you could be retired right now, right? Uh, I, I collected baseball cards, and, and I still have my baseball cards. They're, they're, they're in my basement. I mean, I have thousands upon thousands of baseball cards, and I think they're worth thousands upon thousands of pennies. Um, uh, they're, they're, you know, the, the, the market kind of dropped out of the baseball card market sometime in the mid-'90s, but uh, I have all my baseball cards still, and, and m- most of us have collected cards of some type throughout the years, and, and, and we're collectors. But, but, but the amazing thing is, Some people move beyond being collectors of baseball cards, and it actually becomes a career for them. Spencer and I, last summer, we hit all of the Halls of Fame. We went to the Football Hall of Fame, then we went to Cooperstown, went to the Baseball Hall of Fame, and then we went to Springfield and went to the Basketball Hall of Fame. But but Cooperstown, who's been to Cooperstown? Raise your hand. I'm just curious. I mean, Cooperstown is an amazing little town. Uh, more, more than just the museum, the town of Cooperstown is just a baseball, um, a baseball church, if you will, a baseball sanctuary. You know, it's it just filled every corner, more than every corner. The street is just full of baseball card memorabilia and baseball card shops. And so that means that somewhere along the line, there was a kid that began collecting baseball cards, and it was a hobby, and it was something they were enthusiastic about, and it moved past a hobby to a career. And even in our local communities, there's, there's baseball. Is there a baseball card shop in Marysville? I'm just curious. No? But most communities have some sort of baseball card or collector's Um, shop of some type, and and a hobby has become a profession. You know, I'm always fascinated when I hear how people become what they become in life, the the occupations people choose. And and, and sometimes it's it's just a matter of choices, and and, and sometimes it's just just luck. Sometimes it's just being in a certain place at a certain time, and and, and maybe a hobby becomes an occupation. Terry's a cousin Tim, he, was, uh, he went through chiropractic school. And while he was going through chiropractic school, he was working for, he was painting. And in the midst of painting, he was painting for the owners of Plains Moving, which is a big moving company in Westchester. And, and they, they developed an interest in him through his painting. He was just doing this while he was going through school. And then they had him do a few simple moves for them. And the next thing you knew, he, he owned his own company, <laughs> And it was just through happen chance. And that's how life is. And, and oftentimes, the things that we were passionate about moves from just a passion or an interest to a commitment. All of us make decisions in our life. And, and, and we decide whether things will be hobbies or will they will be a career. Whether it will be something for fun or something more. Am I just trying this out? Or am I investing my life in this? This is true in relationships as well. Uh, Most of us, not all of us, I understand some some of you have dated your wife or dated your husband since you were in kindergarten. I understand that that happens, but most of us, that's that's not the the course of our life. The good part of us, we we have, uh, now now I never dated anyone other than Terry, but I'm sure she dated other guys because she's much better looking than me. But most of us have relationships and friends, and, and at some point in that relationship, we make a decision that this is going to move 
past just casual and past friendship to a deeper commitment. Let's show the, the video, Dave, if you will. DTR. Some of you will recognize what those letters stand for. If you're not sure, let me help you out. If you are a young man in a relationship with a young woman, then uh, chances are these letters are enough to strike fear into your heart. You may run away from, postpone, you may dread the DTR talk. Some young men will even terminate a relationship if they feel like the DTR talk is imminent. It is that official talk that takes place in every romantic relationship. Do you know what it stands for, DTR? Define the relationship. You sit down and you decide where things are going. Have things moved from casual to committed? I remember this uh, date I went on in high school. On the very first date, the girl tried to have the DTR talk with me. First date, DTR. I got out of their PDQ. I just ran away. Who, who knew what DTR meant before he defined what DTR meant? I, I didn't, I'll be honest. I, I, when he was talking DTR, I didn't know what it meant. But for, for the next few weeks, we're gonna have our DTR uh, talk with regard to our relationship with Jesus. Where do we stand with Jesus? And as I, I say that and I talk about that, I, I know we have a mixture of people in this room. And, and some of you are, are excited about the possibilities. When you're thinking about defining your relationship with Jesus, you're excited about going deeper. You're sick of, of, of just an easy way and, and, and going through the motions, and you want a deeper relationship, a more intimate relationship with Jesus. You're ready to be more devoted in your relationship. You want this to move to the next level. And I know, as I talk about this, some of you are just I mean, you're chomping at the bit to grow closer to Jesus. Some of you, maybe not so much, if we were honest. Some of you are, are comfortable where you are. You, you, you like Jesus, and, and you like the concept of Jesus, and, and you like kind of where you are in, in your relationship with him right now. It's, it, it, it's not too tough. It's, it, it, it's, it's there, and it makes you feel good, and you kind of like the setup you've got. You like church to a degree. It gives you something to do. You get to spend time with people, and, and, and you share interest, and, and you learn things, and it's interesting, and the pastor's jokes are bad, so you can make fun of him, but more committed. And so some of you are excited about this talk and excited about the possibilities, and some of you might just be a little bit scared, afraid, tentative, arms extended when we talk about the DTR talk with regard to our relationship with Jesus. So where do you stand with Jesus? Now, Kyle Edelman uses the, the, the phrase fan. So are you a fan or a follower of Jesus? What, what's a fan? A, a fan is an enthusiastic admirer. <laughs> 
Well, we understand the concept of a fan, right? We're in, we're in Ohio State territory. We understand what a fan does. A fan does OH. You guys understand what a fan does. You know, these enthusiastic admirers. And, and in our context, I, I can't think, you know, we, we have a few people who are, we're still praying for, like Clint Lauterbach and his Michigan, uh, you know, loyalty. But, you know, we're, we're thinking in this series, we can take him through to commitment to Jesus and make him an Ohio State fan. Uh, we, we have a few people that are, you know, are Pittsburgh Steeler fans, and I'm not going to mention Brother Bob Calhoun, but... Uh, we're praying for him as well. Uh, but we understand, and, and honestly, we, we, you know, Ohio State or University of Kentucky or uh, Duke University or Cleveland Browns or Cleveland Indians or uh, Cincinnati Reds, may God bless their soul, or uh, Cincinnati Bengals, we, we, we all understand the concept of fans, uh, you know, in, in a sports situation. We, we, you know, we buy jerseys and, and, and we watch the games. I, I listen to sports talk radio. Radio. Who listens to sports talks radio? It's the craziest thing. There are more experts on sports than ever. Anybody ever noticed that? It's crazy. And I've heard for the last month on Columbus, because they talk about the Ohio State Buckeyes a lot on the Ohio sports radio stations and the Columbus sports radio. And I've heard all month how JT Barrett can't throw a pass downfield. And every time I hear one of those guys call into the radio station, you know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see them put him in the game and have some 300-pound guy that runs a 4-5-40 chasing them down and see if they could throw the ball downfield too, wouldn't you? You know, fans can become experts on everything. And the truth is, in the church... It's possible to have a stadium full of fans. Happy when things are going well and not so happy when things aren't going so well or when things are going bad or when things may be hard. See, Jesus never wanted fans. Jesus wasn't looking for enthusiastic admirers. Jesus was not seeking passionate observers. Jesus is seeking followers. Fans are observers. Followers are participants. Luke 9, 23 says this, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That's what Jesus wants. Jesus doesn't want us just to be passionate observers. Jesus doesn't just want us to, 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 to watch and cheer or watch and jeer. Jesus doesn't want us just to, to be observers. Jesus is calling us to be followers. And this series, I believe for, for, for us as a church, and I believe for some of you out here, this might be the most important sermon series you ever hear. It may change the trajectory of your life. It may change your family's life. 
It may change, because I believe this is true. When we grow closer, when we live as Jesus wants us to live, I believe He changes our life and He changes it for the better. And for some of you who's been just going through the motions and maybe just being a fan and not a follower, this is an opportunity. This is a chance. If you take this series seriously, if you invest yourself, that God may do something in your life that changes not only your life, but generations to come. Amen. Is it worth that? Yeah. So, so I'm just asking you. You know, at the end of the series, you may say, you know, I'm not interested in that. You know, I've heard, I hear what you're saying, and I'm not interested in that. All I'd ask is stop being a fan. Because a fan's not enough. Jesus is calling us to be followers. So just in honesty, and uh, we have three questions today that we're going to kind of work through. uh, And and, and they're questions that will help us define our relationship with with Jesus, our our relationship uh, as, as believers in Jesus. The first one's this, why are you here? See, see, Jesus drew a line in the sand. Jesus distinguished in his ministry, when you read through the Gospels, and and he did this often, Jesus would distinguish between people who were just fans and people who were following him. You you see it often. John 6 is is an awesome example, and and you can read through this later, and at at your leisure, you can read through John 6. In John 6, we we have this significant miracle where Jesus, he's drawing large crowds, and and they're out in the middle of nowhere, and Pizza Hut is already closed, and so they can't order pizza, and so they've got to do something, and they've got to get fed or something, and and so Jesus does this tremendous miracle where where he, he, he... feeds 5,000 with just a few loaves and a few fish. And so that's a pretty big deal. You know, he's healing. He's, a, he's an awesome teacher. He's, he, I believe, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. I believe Jesus was an entertaining storyteller and teacher, that he was compelling in the stories that he told. Uh, to, to me, the, the Jesus I served had a good sense of humor. <laughs> he didn't tell bad preacher jokes. He told good preacher jokes. And people laughed and people cried and people thought and people were challenged. Jesus, Jesus was, it was a good show. And he fed people and he healed people and large crowds were gathering all around him. And after he feeds the 5,000, he, he, he sends the disciples off and, and, and he, he crosses, he walks on the water and we have, he's on the other side and they wake up the next morning and their free breakfast is gone. And so they begin to try to figure out where he's went and they go to the other side of the lake and they find Jesus there. And Jesus says, you're just here. The only reason you're here is because of the miracles and the free food. You followed me, not because you want to follow me, but you're a fan of what you can get. And he begins to challenge them with with what he was calling them to do. It's the message of a more intimate relationship. 
Let me ask you, why, why are you here? What, what's your because this morning? Is it because the seats are comfortable? These are, and I mean, if you're looking for comfortable seats, these are comfortable seats, right? You know, are, are you here because you like the show? Or are you here because your, your friends are here? Or are, you, are you here because it makes you feel better about yourself? That, that somehow you feel like, and, and I would use the, the illustration of you're like punching the clock to get to heaven. <laughs> that if I go to church just enough, when I die, I, I, I get to go to the happy place, not the bad place? Are, are you here because you feel like it's an obligation? Are you here to make other people happy? Why are you here? See, John 6, Jesus challenges me. He says, you know, why are you here? And, and here's why you should be here, because you want to know and draw close to me. That, that, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he doesn't say that in that passage. But Jesus says it in other places. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And you want to be in an intimate relationship with me. And when Jesus challenges them, there's this, it's a sad scripture. John 6, 66 says, From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. In other words, when they saw what it was going to take and when they saw what the call was and it wasn't about miracles and it wasn't about being fed and it wasn't about a show and it wasn't about just feeling good about themselves, but it was about this intimate relationship with Jesus. People said, nah, I don't know if I want that. Jesus was calling followers, not fans. And it's not about the shows, the miracles, but it's about this deep relationship with him. Why are you here? What's your because? For Jesus, his because is that he wants to have a deep relationship with you. Now stop and think about that. That, that should blow your mind. It, you know, it does mine every time I think about this. But, but Jesus' driving force is that he wants to know me. He wants to know you. And he wants to have this intimate relationship with you. And he, his desire for you, his desire for me, is that we have the same desire. That, that we be driven to grow closer to Jesus and to know him more and more. So why are you here? Second question is this, are you all in? Are you all in? See, see, I believe, I believe that Jesus, if we're going to be followers, calls us to complete commitment. Do we still believe that, church? Are, are you all in? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to follow Jesus? Are you absolutely loyal to him? Is he the, the main priority? Is, is he Lord? What, what, what do we say? If he's not Lord of everything, then he's not Lord at all. <laughs> Are you committed? See, see, we don't do well, oftentimes, with absolute commitment. We prefer selective commitment. <laughs> we, we like, 
and, and, and all of us have been guilty of this, we like to customize our Christianity to fit our preferences. To, to make it the gospel according to Paul. That, that I will serve God in the ways that I want. We, we like to pick and choose in our commitment. I'll give of my money, but don't ask me to serve. I'll give my 10%, I'll tithe, but, but don't you ask me to give a Saturday morning to Upward or a Sunday to, my, to the children's department or to teach or to, or to serve or to hand out scarves on a cold December night in Marysville or, or to make coffee or to serve as a hospitality host or to do any of these things. I'll give, but don't ask me to give of my time. Or I'll serve... But pastor, you have no business talking about money. You know, Jesus talked about money a lot because money shows us where our commitment is. It just does. And so you say, oh, I, oh, there they go. They're talking about money again. Or I'll be forgiven, but I'm not willing to forgive. See, we can be selective in what it means to, to commit to Jesus. We, we can have this customized Christianity. I will follow Jesus, but only in the areas that are comfortable, only in the areas that I agree with. I'm a Christian, but I'm not all in. See, are you a fan or are you a follower? A, a, a fan bargains with God. A, a, a fan makes restrictions on where God can call them and what God can ask them to do. A fan never moves past comfortable to uncomfortable in serving God. Can I tell you the truth? If you become committed to following God, sometimes he'll mess with your life. Sometimes he'll call you to do things you don't want to do. Sometimes he'll call you to do things that are hard. Sometimes he'll call you to sacrifice things you want to keep. Am I right, church? To be a committed follower of Jesus costs us something. And we live in a world that says if it costs you something, avoid it. When you decide to become a follower of Jesus, you've got to go all in. We live in a lukewarm warm world. Amen? And, and no amens here, but folks, some of you have served God a long time. And if you look back at your commitment from 20 years, 30 years, 40 years ago, compared to today, your commitment now almost looks lukewarm compared to where you were. What is that? What's going on? What's going on in the church that, that people who have served Jesus a long time can, can move away from the deeper commitment? Shouldn't we be growing closer to Jesus each day? 
Shouldn't we be maturing and growing more committed? So, so before we point the finger at people outside these walls, we need to take a look at ourselves. Are we truly committed? Are we willing to allow God to make us uncomfortable in serving Him? Are you a fan or are you a follower? And finally, have you made it your own? Have you made it your own? You know, many of you, most of us, for that matter, start our walk, our, our, our times in church because of someone else. Uh, when I was less than a week old, I, I didn't go to church on my own, right? <laughs> I didn't get in the car, start it, and drive to church. My parents took me to church. And, and before I even had any awareness of what church was and what was going on, I was in church. How many of you like that? that you know, be, before you were even, uh, you're an infant, you were in church. And, and so it's possible that, and, and, and sometimes that's, that's more dangerous than anything, right? Because you can grow so accustomed to, to the lingo and what you wear and what you say. And you, you, know, you know what a Bible sword dwell, d- drill is. Uh, you, you, know, you, you can find songs in the hymnal. And uh, some of you have been in the church a short time. You don't even know what a hymnal is, right? <laughs> Pastor says, open up your hymnal. And they're thinking, what in the world is a hymnal? You know, we can grow so accustomed to, to the, the culture of the church that, that we never really make it our own. Instead, we're just kind of molded by what we've seen. And, and we never move to that point of relationship. And, and we're here because of a parent or a friend or a spouse, maybe just to make them happy. And it, it's easy just to end up a fan. You know the lingo, you wear the fan gear, but you're really not a follower. You know what the fan gear is, right? I follow your previous pastor, Paul Point One, on Facebook. That guy goes to more sporting events than anybody I know. And I've seen him as he's been across the globe, and you know he's a San Diego Padres fan when he's out there, and now he's back in Indiana. And I saw a post this past week, and I know this is going to shock some of you, he was in Indiana Hoosiers gear, right? Yeah. And I think of myself, and I'm wearing Ohio State gear, and I'm an Indiana kid. <laughs> and I think, why do we do that? I'll tell you why I do it. You guys are much happier than when Ohio State wins than when they lose. <laughs> there is no bigger fan of Ohio State on Saturday than me. Because I know when they lose, you folks are depressed. We just want you to be happy. <laughs> you know, we can wear the lingo, wear the, the clothes, and we know the lingo, and, but it's dangerous. It's dangerous because our faith is not our own. We're just simply mimicking someone else, and we become numb. We become numb to real faith. Can, can, can we be honest enough to, you know, we, we fight a spiritual battle. Do we still believe that? We do, don't we? And you have an enemy of your soul who, who will go to any means to cause you to miss the fullness of a relationship with God. Any means possible. 
But for most of us, any means possible is not to somehow take us out into deep, dark sin, but it's to get us to just go through the motions, to make us fans, not followers, to, to make us numb to real faith, to make us comfortable in a religion, but not a relationship. So I'm asking, do you have your own faith? You know, are, are you here? Not, not because of, of some peripheral reason, but are you here because you genuinely want to know and follow Jesus? Are you all in? Are you committed? Is there anything that, that God could call you to do and you'd say, here I am, Lord, send me. See, I believe, I believe churches that are full of followers, not fans, change their communities. I do. I believe when churches, and, and this isn't about, you know, to be honest, it, it's not about a number, it's about a, a people that are committed. And so, you know, it, it's not like, oh, well, we need 300 people. No, we need a few are just committed and sold out and they'll do whatever it takes. See, Jesus wasn't all that interested. He is interested. He loved the crowds because he knew there were followers that were going to come through the crowds. But Jesus invested in who? The few. Because he knew the few committed to him would change the world. So over the next few weeks, starting today, we're going to be searching our hearts. Are you a follower of Jesus or are you just a fan? Amy, if you're here, can you come and begin playing? We're going to sing here in a second. You know, th this is a serious question. Amen? Th this is a serious question. Are you a fan or are you a follower? Th this is probably, for some of you, today, this might be the most important question you've ever asked yourself. And if you've seriously listened to what I've said, if you've seriously listened to the Spirit speaking to you, th this is a, a, a crucial time. It's a crucial time. I believe this six-week series is a crucial time in the life of our church. And I believe these few moments here may be a crucial time for you. You know, it calls for serious conversation with other people. That's why we're emphasizing the small groups. You know, I, I, I want you to dive into this question with other people. And maybe you can't be part of a formal group, but maybe you can find an informal way to start having these conversations, these discussions, and, and determining in your own heart whether you're a fan or a follower. And whether if you're a fan, whether you're willing to make that commitment to become a true, committed follower of Jesus Christ. We have the back table. We have, there's still spaces for you to sign up for small groups. You'll begin this week, and, and I would encourage you to do that. I, I've changed my Wednesday night. If, if you'd like to be part of that, on my Wednesday night, my Bible study, we're going to do not a fan. And so that's a convenient time. We meet at 6. We, we, we have several that meet here at church. Brother Bob will be here tonight at 6 o'clock talking about not a fan and, and you know there, there's there's home groups there's different opportunities there, there's afternoon groups there's morning groups there's all sorts of places that you can plug in and if you can't make them all at least make some now I'm not asking you to make a, a, a one-year commitment to some it's six weeks six weeks 
We even commit to diet six weeks, right? <laughs> six weeks of serious conversation about something that may be essential, not only for your life, but the life of your kids and your grandkids and your neighbors, <laughs> your community. Also started just for this series, we've, we've got a, and if you're not on Facebook, that's fine. I'm not advocating Facebook. You can hate it if you want, that's fine. I think it's a good tool for certain things. Where Why it is, his pastor, because they can't have service, he's doing an online sermon on Facebook uh, because they haven't been able to gather. I think that's pretty awesome. People can sit and watch a sermon even though they can't go to church. And so I, I've started a, a closed group. It's, it's not open. It won't show up on everybody's line. It's a closed group. We have 12 or 14 that are in it already. And, and every day, at least the goal is every day, if somehow I, I miss that something's happened and I just didn't get it out, every day I'm going to post a question and, and, and people can just have a discussion in that thread. So maybe you'd like to be part of that. I've already sent a question out on that group. I'd ask it if you're going to be part of it, participate. We want to hear your thoughts. We want, we want to have a good online discussion of what it means to be a follower, not a fan. I think serious times call for prayer. What about you? In our church, not all churches, but in our church, we, we've always valued altar time. And, and these are altars and, and, and they've got a padded place to put your knees. <laughs> and so we've, we've valued in this church since, since I've been here and I believe since before I got here, we've always valued this time right now. That, that we believe, I believe, and I believe I, I, I'm, I'm consistent with our theology here, Dr. Purdue. I believe that right now we have gathered as a community of faith and we are in the presence of God Almighty through the power of the Holy Spirit. The presence of Jesus is here. We believe that. That, that there is an unseen presence because of this gathering. Now, now, God is everywhere. I was entirely sanctified in a Toyota Corolla. It wasn't even a Honda, Right? God can save and sanctify you wherever you are, but this is a special moment. And if you're wrestling with these questions, this is an important time for you to consider. And so we value this altar and we open this altar up and we give people an opportunity just to seek God in His presence, in this place, in this time. And what I found in my life is oftentimes when, when I say, oh, well, I'll consider that when I leave. I don't. You know, I greet a few friends. I, I get out the door and somebody cuts me off in the parking lot. And the next thing I know, I'm all upset about somebody cut me off in the stupid parking lot. And it's usually Gene McBride. Stand with me, if you will. This is a holy time. It's holy. It's set apart. And God invites you this morning as, as you're wrestling with this. To, if, you, if you want to talk to him just a little bit deeper, I'd invite you to come. And when you come, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that you're not a follower. It means that you are a follower means that you're seeking Him, that you want to grow closer to Him. All heads bow, all eyes closed. Lord, help us to be obedient to You. 
Amy, can you lead us in one course of... Let us pray. Our Father, long ago, when you called out the twelve to follow you, they had to leave all and follow you. We realize, as we read in Luke, we are to follow you daily and bear our own cross. The cross is the death to all of our own rights to ourselves. We yielded those rights to you. We surrender today in a way that you are preeminent. You are the priority of our lives. We realize that you are the king of the kingdom. And it's your good pleasure to give to your flock the kingdom. If we receive the kingdom, we receive the king. And therefore, Lord, we bow before you. And as we heard read in the scripture early this morning, we present ourselves a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. We love you today. We thank you for your great love and sacrifice for us. And as you sanctified yourself, you did so that we might be sanctified. And therefore, God, as we make a complete surrender, complete consecration to you, we ask that you would do the complete cleansing. And by condition, we will walk in your light. And that blood will continue to cleanse as we have fellowship with you and one with another. Keep us in the center of your will. We indeed are more than fans. We are your followers. And we want to learn. You called us to be your disciples. We're your learners. Teach us your way more perfectly today and down through the days ahead, and we'll praise you for it and honor you. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen.